0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast. It is great to have you listening today. This is episode 11, and I'm calling this one Present Part 3. As in, what on earth just happened? As in, I did not see that coming. As in, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Okay, more on that in just a moment. I want to give us a little bit of a catch-up and some context. It has, man, it has been a while uh, since we've um, uh, offered a new podcast here. Been on the road here and there all over the globe. Uh, The three-month sabbatical is over. It was amazing. Nancy Lee and I went. We saw. We did. And it was so good to go. And it was so good to come back. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm careful uh, to not say that I'm back in the groove or back in the saddle or things that uh, sort of hint at returning to normal because returning and going back, I think, could be contrary to the spirit and intent of sabbatical, uh, whether the Sabbath is for one hour, one day, or a whole season. Um, I prefer to remind myself that while I'm uh, physically back, I've physically returned, uh, I'm moving ahead in in new rhythms of life here. Uh, I'm embracing my responsibilities, uh, but I'm stepping into them in new ways. At least that is the plan. So, um, so yes, Nancy Lee and I are back from the sabbatical. Uh, we were gone for three months: uh, a month in Charlottesville, Virginia, with our with our family there, uh, then out to the west coast on Orcas Island uh, for a month, simply mystical. And then uh, we returned home for a couple days, packed, repacked, and took off for uh, New Zealand. And we were there for 12 days and then came home and finished it out. Um, there's a lot between the lines there for sure. But, uh, you know, Nance and I knew that the most common question that people would ask upon our return uh, would, would be uh, w- the questions we would get, we knew would be difficult. We knew that people would ask, well, how was it? And, you know, truth be told, there's no easy or quick way to answer that. Um, you, how was it? Did you have a good time? Well, uh, where do you begin with that? On what day? And uh, what part of the day? So it's taken some time to uh, get our noggins and hearts around um, an articulated response that makes some sense and came up with, um, you know, three things. First, it was, it was wonder-filled. It was literally filled with wonder. It was wonderful. Uh, secondly, Uh, The sabbatical was a profound gift in our lives, pure grace. It was a gift, Uh, probably the most remarkable gift we've ever received, and uh, it filled us up to overflowing. Um, Yeah, I I know it sounds a bit cliche, but each day was more remarkable than the last. I think we got to about the fourth day, and uh, our our gratitude— Bowl was full already, and and every day for over a hundred days following that, it was just. Oh. It was just full. It was wonderful. Um, couldn't hold it. Just, we just had to let ourselves be in it. And thirdly, you know, it's given us another reason to live into gratitude, the deep, wide, expansive, thick, juicy gratitude uh, that, uh, that we felt for having the opportunity to, to do this. Uh, I joked with lots of people about the T-shirt. The T-shirt would say, it was good to go. It was great to come home. And, you know, I think, um, you know, is, it was as close to an experience of heaven uh, that I've ever had, honestly. And that's about as good a lead-in to this episode as I can imagine. You know, if you've listened to the last couple of podcasts, you know that in episode nine, I gave you a good 30,000-foot view of things and began with the narrative of what it means to be present. There are seven rhythms uh, in this big project, and each of these seven rhythms um, has a guiding narrative, a statement that brings some understanding to the rhythm. And uh, when it comes to an understanding of what it means to be present, the narrative helps us get some understanding around that. So here's the narrative that I've come up with. We thrive in the present as people who practice rhythms of Sabbath. Seek margin, welcome silence, pause to listen, press into thin spaces, and immerse in what each moment has to teach. So in episode 10, uh, I talked about seeking margin and what that what that might mean for us. Uh, welcoming silence, uh, how do we do that? Uh, pausing to listen and how... I'll speak for myself, but I, you know, going on a limb, a lot of us have difficulty with that. Um, uh, in this episode, I want to talk specifically about thin places. And to understand thin places, we have to dig deeply into the ancient Celtic tradition. According to um, Celtic spirituality, a thin place is where the veil between what we imagine as heaven rather theoretically, and what we know as Earth, somewhat empirically, is nearly transparent. It's that place where the distance between heaven and Earth nearly touch. If you uh, were to run a search on the phrases thin places or thin space, you're going to spend the next three days wading through centuries of ancient spirituality theology, and philosophical thought on what thin places are as well as what they are not. Eric Weiner uh, is a respected author with regard to thin places, and uh, in his book, Man Seeks God, Weiner describes thin places as those rare locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses, and we're able to catch glimpses of the divine or the transcendent, or as I like to think of it, Weiner writes, the infinite whatever. So in classic Celtic theology, the saying goes something like this, heaven and earth are only three feet apart, but in thin places, that distance is even shorter. For people of faith, um, in the in the traditions in the Judeo-Christian tradition for instance this gets very very near to what most would call sacred or spiritual or what i what i how i refer to it in my life as spirited these are spirited places spirited moments spirited experiences sacred spaces where people experience a very palpable sense of God's presence in that moment. I love how Eric Weiner writes about the nature of thin places. This is what he, he, he writes this in his book. It's easier to say what a thin place is not. A thin place is not necessarily a tranquil place or a fun place or even a beautiful one, though it may be all of those things, too. Weiner continues in his book. He says, Disney World is not a thin place. Nor is Cancun. Thin places relax us, yes, but they also transform us, or more accurately, unmask us. In thin places, Weiner writes, we become our more essential selves. Man, I, I love that. that that works for me. But you know, we're we're already, up against it or already working hard to attach finite words to something so infinite the easiest thing for me to do is get a little personal here maybe a lot personal because i think in the end while the experience of thin places can be uh, somewhat common each of us has our own way of understanding and experiencing a thin place so for me A thin place is where, for just a brief moment, it's where the the common and the uncommon meet. It's where something is where nothing was. It's where the routine becomes the remarkable, where the ordinary world and the extraordinary world intersect. It was that moment when our six-year-old granddaughter, Miss Ruby Grace, looked at me. She paused for just a moment, and then she said, I love you. And just to make sure that I understood her, she then pointed to herself, then made the heart shape with her two sweet little hands, and then pointed back to me. Thin space. It's what you experience when you watch the sun rising up over a mountain or the same sun sinking into the ocean. Thin space. It's what happens when you walk into a bakery And you smell the aroma of the bread just out of the oven. And it's like the aroma knows that you have walked into the room. And so that aroma seeks you out, wraps around you, and overwhelms you. Thin space. It's what we experience when you put that first spoonful of tomato basil in your mouth. Tomatoes and basil from your garden. And it makes you sit back and close your eyes. And for just a brief moment, time widens and moments open. Thin places. These are the moments when we encounter or are encountered by the sacred, the spirit, the divine, the source. And when we sense God, however we understand God, when we, when we sense God leaning into this moment right here, right now, when, when that happens, we feel very connected to and in tune with the divine. And it's, it's more than a cognitive, intellectual, measurable knowing. It's an experience of what we might call spirited knowing, a moment filled with the Spirit. And the only way we might know how to talk about it uh, is feeling something deep inside this experience of a moment or a place where the physical and the natural everyday world uh merge into a, a beyond physical i guess you could say metaphysical supernatural thin line is also deeply rooted Uh, in biblical history. Uh, In the Genesis poem, for instance, God interacts with, walks and talks with, and leans into the lives of the first humans in the garden. In Exodus 3, uh, from the Hebrew Scriptures, um, Moses, a shepherd, uh, encounters the divine in a very, what I love to call, a very fired-up moment, in a bush that is flaming but is not consumed. A little bit later, people in the wilderness at Sinai Uh, On their way to the Promised Land, Uh, in that story, uh, God shows up in a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Uh, And then later in Jerusalem, in the temple, people encountered God in sacred texts, in worship and teaching. Uh, They experienced God in one another. Um, And then later, some of the disciples had a moment like this on the road uh, to Emmaus, um, I, then a guy named Saul, uh, and then his name changed to Paul on the road to Damascus. And then at, at the end, uh, Apostle John on the island of Patmos. And on and on it goes. But it was the Celtic Christians between the 5th and 6th centuries and stretching into the 10th century who gave the descriptive phrase, thin places, to those kinds of experiences where people and the divine showed up at the same place. It's it's in this thin space when we might say something like, oh, wow, or whoa, or, or maybe amen, or most likely a thin place is where, where we're most likely to say nothing at all. Well, all of this, of course, is rather suspect in the minds of those who like to have everything more or less uh, mostly more, uh, nailed down, buttoned up, explained, and measured. I mean, I do. Don't you? I mean, there's there's got to be a reason for everything. There's There must be an explanation for this. There's got to be a rationale for that. There, there's a way to get to the core of the matter that makes sense. You get this. I get this. That's That's the way we've been raised. So this is nothing new. But just about the time that I begin to feel really frustrated with the lack of ways to explain and rationalize and get to the core of something, I find a poem that sets me free. Mary Oliver's work always does that for me. In her poem, Mysteries, Yes, Mary provides a kind of thin place in between let, let me share this beautiful poem with you and you, you'll see what I mean. So here's Mysteries, Yes. Truly we live with mysteries too marvelous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look, and laugh in astonishment, and bow their heads. Such profound, good words from Mary Oliver. We are thankful for her for giving us all permission to dwell in the mystery of all of, all of life a little, little longer. So in order uh, to take this to another level, I want to tell you a story. Of course I have a story, right? I want to tell you an absolutely astonishing story about an experience I had in a thin place that, if it doesn't make you laugh, could certainly reduce you to tears. It did both for me. So what I want to do is tell you this story and then just draw a couple of conclusions. So this is a thin place story. The campus of the town and country hotel and resort in Mission Valley, California, is large, to say the least. You, you can map search it. In fact, stop right now. Google it. Look at it. it. You'll see what a huge footprint it has. This was a number of years ago. Um, And even then it was huge. They've remodeled since. And I can't even imagine what it's like to actually be there now. It sits on 32 acres, and it's like a small college campus with hundreds and hundreds of rooms, multiple courtyards, huge ballrooms, a gigantic exhibit hall, uh, like a professional uh, basketball arena, swimming pools, restaurants, cafes. There are so many parking lots at this town and country resort that you could forget what part of the state you parked your car in lots of room to wander around the campus on a lazy spring afternoon well nancy lee and i were there together for a church leadership conference it was the spring of the year and after a long minnesota winter we were stoked to be on this little excursion to beautiful san diego california i know right now, I need to tell you that this was pre cell phone days for us, so that's going back a ways, but that's pretty important um, as a detail uh, as we move ahead. The day we flew from Minneapolis to San Diego, we had a layover in Phoenix. It had been some time uh, since I chatted with my mom and dad, who lived in Sun City West, uh, 45 minutes on I 17 North, you know, depending upon traffic. Uh, um, which, as for those of you in that area, know that can be bonkers. So I thought it would be fun, if not just a little bit of a tease, if I called my mom and dad from the airport, which was pretty close, just to say hi. Hey, we're sort of in the neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. But they were not home. So I left a message, told them uh, that we'd be in San Diego for a few days, uh, that we'd be in touch along the way. Fast forward two days. It had been a full morning of speakers at this conference. Nancy Lee and I were at lunch, and we decide that we're going to split up and head in different directions for the afternoon's conference breakout sessions. It's um, 12.30, and we agreed to meet up at 5 p.m. outside the ballroom where I would be for my last session. We'd meet there at 5 p.m. and then go to dinner. The afternoon was beautiful, and I went to 3 Breakout sessions. I met, uh, first of all, with some uh, musicians to talk about uh, worship music. I explored some of the latest software available for organizing and managing larger congregations. And the third session I attended was a walk through a labyrinth, a guided spiritual meditational walk. It was really cool. The labyrinth um, was a classic traditional labyrinth and laid out on the floor in a ballroom on a gigantic ca- uh, canvas tarp with a path marked out by painted lines. I put on some headphones uh, to hear the guided meditation, and um, I just began. I had no idea what a precursor that experience would become to this larger story. And maybe, maybe it was that I hurried through the labyrinth that created some need in me for what was coming next. I I didn't know. But by the time I'd finished walking the labyrinth, um, it was just a little bit before five o'clock. And so I returned the headphones, um, got my stuff together, and I walked outside to meet Nancy Lee, and she was not there. I remember looking at my watch and it was now 5.02 p.m. I waited just a few more moments I was looking around, no Nancy Lee. And then the strangest thing happened. The only way I know how to express this is that I felt an urge or a sensation to walk toward the Grand Exhibit Hall on the campus of the Town & Country Resort. Now from where I was standing, that um, the agreed-upon rendezvous point with Nancy Lee, the grand exhibit hall was about a hundred yards away, as a bar, as a bird would fly, not very far in the grand scheme of life, of course, but on this campus, um, between and in and out of the buildings which house things like hotel rooms and pools and spas and restaurants and meeting rooms and and all of that. Um, There was no quick way, it was no quick walk to get from where I was to where I was feeling absolutely compelled to walk. And so I started walking. It was the strangest thing, almost as if I could not help myself. I remember sort of muttering to myself as I began to walk, um, no, you, you have to meet Nancy Lee right back here, right outside that meeting space. Why, why are you walking the other way? And of course, I didn't have an answer for myself. I mean, it's strange enough when people talk to themselves, it's even stranger uh, when people begin to answer themselves. Anyway, I'm walking, and inside, I'm protesting. I've got my eyes open for Nancy Lee in case I would run into her, but I'm now having this ongoing, somewhat running conversation about how weird this is that I'm walking in the opposite direction of where I'm supposed to be, where Nancy Lee and I both agreed we would meet. So I glance at my watch, and now it's about eight minutes after five. If Nancy Lee had come out of her session, and was waiting for me like i knew she would be reminding me and rightly so i am now 8 minutes late by now the grand exhibit hall is looming large and i'm having an argument with my legs literally words actual out loud words directed downward toward my legs hey turn around go back stop hey you down there i'm talking to you are you listening Apparently not. I'm now walking through corridors and around corners. I'm almost frantic. I'm looking from side to side, over gardens and across pools, through restaurants and by cafes, hoping to see Nancy Lee, who's going to rescue me from whatever it is that's going on with me in that moment. But I know by now she is most likely on the other side of the campus, outside that ballroom where we'd agreed to meet and she's waiting for me. As I approach the entrance to the Grand Exhibit Hall, I'm feeling, how do I say this? I'm feeling completely hijacked by my legs, literally asking out loud, why are you walking into this building? And that's when I hear this strangely familiar small voice inside me someplace saying just keep walking straight ahead just keep walking now here a bit of a side note you need to know that hearing audible voices like this has always been suspect for me it's not a part of my spirited wiring Absolutely no judgment for those for whom uh, it's a part of their wiring, but it's just not mine. Um, I've known deeply spirited people for whom this is a regular and very normal experience, and I deeply respect that. But not—it's not for me. It's not that's not how it works for me. There are other ways that I, quote unquote, hear the divine in my life. But when the ancient scriptures talk about a still small voice. That's always been connected to the breeze, the wind, the spirit. Those are all very Hebrew, Greek-filled concepts. Not audible English vocabulary. But this voice, in the way that I was hearing it, just calmly and reassuringly kept saying to me, just keep walking straight ahead. Just keep walking So you know what I did? I just kept walking. As I walked through the lobby of the Grand Exhibit Hall, every bookseller, every curriculum developer, and at that time, every video company who had anything to do with any component of this conference had a table and a display of their products. It was crowded. There were Bibles and Bible software programs. There were youth resources, books from churches and writers all over the country. There were buckets of free candy and bubble gum and people handing out just enough free stuff to entice the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors and church leaders to stop at their booth. It was exactly like the Home and Garden Show. But only different. It was exactly like the boat and RV show without the boats and the RVs. Bibles, software, t-shirts, posters. And I'm walking through this crowded, this crowded atrium, walking through the middle of all of this. And I was once again in full-on argument mode with my legs. I mean, just imagine the drone view of all this. You're looking down on this crowded, crowded area, and there I am. I'm down below. I'm walking through a maze of people and products, and over and over and over again, I just keep hearing this voice say again and again, just keep walking. And then the real argument begins, and I'm starting to get a little heated. I'm protesting now, out loud, still under my breath, but I've had enough. So I'm saying out loud, but I'm going to run out of room in a moment. Literally, the room is going to run out of square feet. Why am I doing this? Where Where are we going? What's happening here? And And time and time again, there's just one response. Just keep walking. Through the years, I've had countless conversations with people with whom I live, work, and play about our loving God who is deeply invested in our lives and that there's a deep purpose in every moment. But that said, I have to say that I don't believe, let me be really clear, that I don't believe that God has some cosmic script for us that we're following. I don't believe that God has written somewhere which leg we'll throw out over the edge of the mattress every morning. I don't believe that God has it all wired up and, and uh, which hand we'll use when we reach uh, for the bowl of cereal in the morning, much less what, what brand or box of cereal we're going to have that day. Uh, I, I, I don't subscribe to that line of thinking, but I do believe with every fiber of who I am that God directs, and in some marvelous partnership with us and the Spirit, creates surprises that build and impact our faith. This, because of what was coming next, was one of those moments. So, I'm in the atrium. In the Grand Exhibit Hall, I'm running out of room, literally running out of room. The far wall is coming toward me as fast as I'm walking toward it. I'm arguing. Pleading with my legs to turn me around to find my way back to Nancy Lee, who was, by now, waiting like someone whose date had stood her up. And for whatever reason, the words of the English playwright and poet William Congreve came to mind. You know these words from the 1697 play, The Morning Bride. He wrote, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Well, my bride was feeling scorned. I just knew it. So I'm shifting my shoulders back and forth. I'm sort of dodging and weaving my way in between and around so many people in that large lobby. Uh, But on I went. I just kept walking toward that far wall of the Grand Exhibit Hall. On I went, excusing myself as I passed a few more people on my way to the far wall of the Grand Exhibit Hall until I finally arrived. The only thing between me and that far wall now was a small collection of indoor potted shrubs and trees put there for decoration and a barrier between the last vendor and that far wall. And I remember at that moment thinking, I'm going to step around the planter here with that tree in it and stare at the wall for just a few moments and feel like a complete idiot. But if that's what it takes to prove that I'm not going nuts, then I'm just gonna do that. So I took one more step around the planter and I faced that far wall. And friends, that's when I saw what my legs had carried me to. That's when I saw what the still small voice had called me toward in the midst of my arguing and incredulous wondering. That's when I saw the point of all of this. That's when I saw the purpose for this walk. That's when I knew I was in a thin place. Because that's when I saw, at the far side of this lobby, at the end of a 100-yard walk, that had taken me 20 minutes in the wrong direction, by hundreds and hundreds of rooms, through multiple courtyards, around huge ballrooms, beside blue-watered swimming pools, beyond restaurants next to cafes, underneath palm trees, and into the gigantic exhibit hall, where I was just one more anonymous person among hundreds and hundreds. That's when I was finally brought to a momentous halt. That's when I stopped in my tracks and I just stood still in a very powerful thin space. Because there, at the far side of this very large and random exhibit hall, was my mother sitting on a small metal folding chair and my dad sitting next to her on her left side. There they sat. And there I stood. The three of us together in that moment in a very, very mysterious thin place where the veil The distance between what we would call heaven and what we know as earth was nearly transparent. There they were. My mom and dad just just sitting there looking at me. They were sitting there like they were waiting for me. Like they were waiting for me to find them. Waiting for me to walk all over that vast hotel complex. Waiting for me to hear that voice and arguing with that voice and at the same time unable to not follow that voice, there they were, my mom and dad just sitting there, waiting there for me. We embraced, we laughed, we cried, we could not, we could not believe this. It had been some time since we'd been together, quite some time, And suddenly in this reunion that was bigger than life, I stood there wondering how I almost missed this great moment because I was arguing with my legs and a voice that said, just keep walking. Now here's the deal. They'd made the six six to seven hour trip that day. They'd found the hotel. They'd gotten a room had found the largest meeting space where so many people wandered anonymously from every state, had made themselves available to a grand surprise, and there they were sitting, smiling, and as happy to see me as I was, completely and I mean utterly taken off the ranch like they were in on some grand cosmic gift. This reminds me just really quickly of a story in the ancient Hebrew scriptures in Exodus 3. There's this guy named Moses, and he's in a thin place. This simple shepherd is out there in a place referred to as beyond the wilderness, and he's tending sheep. And he comes to Mount Horeb, also known as Sinai, the mountain of God. And there an angel of the Lord appears to him in a flame in a bush in the wilderness, and Moses see this, sees this, and he stops, and he says to himself, Well, this is interesting. Things on fire, but it's not burning up. It's not being consumed. Things aren't working like they normally work. What on earth is going on here? And so he takes a step toward it. That's, and, and when he does that, it's God now, not the angel, who says, Hey, buddy, stop right there. The voice comes out of the bush, this shrub, and says, Moses, Moses. He calls him by name. There's a relationship there to which Moses replies, say it with me now, cheneni. He is saying, here, in this place right now, I am most fully myself. And God says, stop right there. Don't come one step further. In fact, Remove your sandals from your feet, because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. We've got to hold a couple things in tension here. First of all, Moses is a shepherd. That is, he's he's not part of the elite community, because the elite community did not shepherd sheep. So It's significant that the creator, this extraordinary creator of the extraordinary universe, would step into the seemingly ordinary life of Moses, this very, very ordinary shepherd. But the creator of the universe does that. Thin places are where the common and the uncommon meet, where something is where nothing was, where the routine becomes remarkable the ordinary world and the extraordinary world intersect. You ever catch yourself playing significant, insignificant? So-and-so is so this and so that. I'd never be able to experience what they're experiencing. Or have you ever played pedestal? Like you put somebody up on a higher degree, they're more educated, they're more experienced, they're more connected, they've got more friends on their social page, they've got more hits on their post, they've got more of whatever I don't have. When we do this, we distance ourselves further and further from the good news that God is interested in living in and through us to help the world around us thrive more deeply and come to a better understanding of what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be fully human. So God shows up to the most simple, places where the common and the uncommon meet, where something is, where nothing was, where the routine becomes remarkable, where the ordinary becomes extraordinary, where less is more, where haste makes waste, where minds apprehend, but hearts comprehend. So friends, back to the driving narrative, and then we'll wrap this up. We thrive in the present as people who practice rhythms of Sabbath and seek margin and welcome silence and pause to listen and press into thin places and immerse in what each moment has to teach. We're gonna spend a little time next time with what it means to immerse, but for now, just a couple of questions. How have you experienced thin places in your life? When and where does the common and the uncommon meet? When has the routine become remarkable? And how does the ordinary world around you and the extraordinary world intersect? Some good questions to ponder. So that, my friends, is my story. And I'm sticking to it. That's enough for now. A bit about thin space. We'll continue next time as we finish this rhythm with some thoughts on what it means to immerse and what each moment has to teach. Um, you can check out a couple of things along the way. My website, Uh, uh You can check uh, the Rhythms button on there. I've been uh, doing some posting for the last 115 days. Um, um, it's also a hashtag 100 days 50 words it's sort of the today's word on Instagram and Facebook so you can find it on my website um, thanks as always to a great team who helped make this happen Lisa Gustafson, Darren Hensel um, the guys in the snarky, uh, band Snarky Puppy they're kind enough to let us use their uh, tune uh, What About Me for the bumper music and they're going to be in Minneapolis at the Palace Theater on Saturday evening May 25th at 830 I will be there let's say hi to each other so a blessing for you. Dear friends, as you move through this day, may you discover what it means to thrive as a child of God, being present to the present moment, finding life and more life as you practice rhythms of Sabbath and seek margin and welcome silence and pause to listen and press into thin places and immerse in what each moment has to teach. Remember the words of Thomas Merton, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here soon. Peace.